Hey y'all, before we jump into today's episode, we would like to invite you to a special event we're hosting on May 30th called Women in Whiskey. Join us for an adult field trip filled with Southern fun at the Jack Daniels Distillery right here in our home state of Tennessee. Get ready to learn while sipping. We will be taking a private tour of the distillery, enjoy a barbecue lunch on the beautiful hillside, and partake in early happy hour with cocktails provided by Jack Daniels as we listen in on a conversation with women who work in the industry. The conversation will be led by yours truly, your hosts of the Steel Magnolias podcast. Learn more about the event at steelmagnoliaspodcast.com. You can grab your tickets there and we cannot wait to see you on May 30th. And now on with the show. A refreshing ale eight. That's right. A sweet treat for my sweet sister. Well, thank you. It's apropos because today we're talking about Southern sodas. Yes. And we do sugar in the South well, Ooh, don't Lordy, we? We do. We do cold drinks and sugar. <laughs> so this is actually my first time having one of these. I've seen an ale eight before, and we're, of course, going to dive into some specific ones today. But this is lighter, I think, than I would have thought. Like, I would have thought it would have had a little bit, um, like, would you say sharper of a taste? Like, a more of a Sprite? Well, I thought of it as a Sprite kind of a thing because it's a lemon-lime drink. Yeah. We'll go into more specifics on, yeah. like, kind of what it, you know, where it comes from and all that. But I just... At our local grocer here in Franklin, um, the one I was looking for any of these Southern sodas we're going to discuss, other yeah. than the big guys, right? The big guys, most of us have all tried. Yeah, um, and Ale Eight from Kentucky was the only one I could find in the particular okay. store I was in, so that's why I chose this. Well, and it's in a glass bottle. And it's in a glass so bottle. Thank you for choosing wisely. Well, and I got the original. Like they have other, like Cherry Ale Eight, and there's other ones. In fact, do you remember when we went to Willet? Yes, that's. It's the only time I've seen it. They had the um, they had like a machine, vending machine, vending machine where you, and there was different flavors. Yeah, but anyhow, yeah, I uh, thought we needed to try we one did. live yeah. and in person. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, it's light, just very um, very refreshing, but not quite a tanginess or a sharpness like yeah. a sprite. That's a good way to say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you found a good article. Oh my goodness, I found a great article. Explains a little bit about. The history. Why we're in this uh, place of having all these, the list of sodas under our belt. sodas in the South. Yeah. So the article that I found was from 2016, and it was from SeriousEats.com. Okay. So maybe we can put it up. Yeah. I'll put it in the show notes. And again, as we mentioned last time, we have a Pinterest page. So if you are one that likes to pin or follow boards... Go ahead and follow us on Pinterest. We have several boards. And by the way, this Serious Eats, I could have gotten lost on this site, how much there is to see on there of really? different recipes. They even had like a whole Father's Day 
section. So they do holidays, they do different themes, different things like that. So anyhow, um, our listeners may enjoy looking around. But I'm going to just actually read a portion of this article because it was just so good that I thought, why try to recap when it's so good? Okay. So it says, if you've ever looked into the history of soft drinks in America, you may have noticed that a surprisingly large number of them originated in the South. Coca-Cola, for instance, was created by Dr. John S. Pemberton in Atlanta in 1886. Its arch rival, Pepsi, was invented by Caleb Bradham in the late 1890s in New Bern, North Carolina. Dr. Pepper started off in Waco, Texas in 1885, while latecomer Mountain Dew was created in Knoxville, Tennessee in 1948. Those four beverages, along with other products later released by their parent companies, such as Diet Coke, Diet Pepsi, Sprite, etc., remain among the top-selling soft drinks in America today. And then there's a second tier of smaller southern soda brands, which we'll go into some of those as well and where they come from. Um, Let's see. But it's just kind of amazing that there's so many of these big dogs. Oh, yeah. All here here. in the South. I remember Mountain Dew, and I don't know if that's the same, still the case today. It was very prevalent on... University of Tennessee in Knoxville's campus. Okay. So that makes sense. I, did, I guess I didn't realize it was out of Knoxville. Like, we even at our campus bookstore sold a one liter. Oh, my goodness. How funny. That is chock full of sugar. But I remember accounting class was a specifically difficult class for me. <laughs> so I would bring my one liter of Mountain Dew. So I can't funny. imagine drinking that much sugar in one setting right now. But yeah, that's what I did with Mountain Dew. Well, Sorry. students love that too because it's got so much caffeine. So much in caffeine. It. I think the teacher even like mentioned it one day because it was like sitting on my desk. <laughs> I mean, it was obnoxiously large. Anyway, they're proud of Mountain Dew in Knoxville. That's hilarious. Well, and one other thing I was going to mention when they start talking about all the Diet Coke, Sprites, all the others that yes. fall under the same company. The parents, yeah. Um, One of my best friends that lives in Atlanta worked for Coca-Cola. Shout out to Sarah. Yep. Sarah. Um, Anyhow, they, uh, she was telling me that in the marketing world for soda, you know, sometimes have you ever wondered like, oh, for goodness sakes, we have Coke, Cherry Coke, Diet Coke, Diet Cherry Coke, Orange, blah, 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 blah. You know, there's so many. And she said part of that, while they are wanting to meet different people's needs, they're wanting more shelf space. Because it's all about shelf space. So they come up with all these varieties to creep out further. Right. In hopes that you're going to grab. That makes sense. Something under their name. That makes sense. And I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. I've never really put a whole lot of time thinking about that. And I just thought, why so many? Yeah. I know. All the zeros and diets. Yes. So this article, I'll just continue on. The more I've looked, it says, the more I've looked into it, the more I've come to believe that the reason they're they're saying all these came from the South stems from the region's reinvention of itself following the Civil War. During the New South era, a tumultuous period filled with industrious entrepreneurs, clever pharmacists, and cure-all tonics, Bible-banging temperance reformers, craven hucksters, and, of course, a hot southern climate that demanded a constant source of refreshment. Yeah. That's some of the things that's going to be in this recipe, if you will, of why so many in the South. 
That makes sense. Yeah. So, and this article, it's pretty lengthy, but it's fascinating to read. So I just wanted to go into a little bit of history. Um, In the two decades immediately following the Civil War, war, my Southern accent coming through, forward-looking business people, politicians, and newspaper editors advocated replacing the agriculture-centric economy of the antebellum South with a more modern system based on industry and commerce. No city better represented the New South spirit than Atlanta, birthplace of the granddaddy of all soft drinks, Coca-Cola. Coke's emergence came at a promising time for Atlanta. It's located in the intersection of five rail lines. Okay. The city emerged as the great distribution hub of the era. By the 1900, by 1900, 150 trains arrived and departed each day. I'm going to skip on, but you know, basically it's a gate city. It's a gateway. And You're so right. Lots happening here. With that, It says the arrival of many steam engines, telegraphs, and railroads brought noise, energy, and a new frenetic pace that just, it was just getting so fast, so loud. Yeah. That people were beginning to complain of um, shot nerves, indigestion, constant headaches. Oh. And so with that. (laughs) Makes sense. People started coming up with cure-all for these ailments. Okay. Now, this is what one thing I thought was really interesting, because when I very first started looking in these, there's different pharmacists and doctors that are involved. Right. Yeah. And I was going, It's formulaic, for sure. You know? Yeah. But they were um, helping come up with supposed cures for some of these things that okay. people were complaining Shot about. Yes. Wow. Indigestion. Yeah. You know, one of the first things I think of with indigestion is ginger. Get a ginger ale. <laughs> yes. So isn't this fascinating? So anyway, many of the compounders of these patent remedies were pharmacists who blurred the line between legitimate medicine and hokum, is what this article said, which I thought was funny. And that's where John S. Pemberton comes in. Okay. So... If people want to read the article, you can get sure. more into all the details of it. But this pharmacist comes up with this concoction and that is, is later Pemberton the... going to be Coca-Cola. Okay. Okay. I didn't know um, his name. Okay. So I just thought, wow, that's so fascinating. Um, and I could, you know, I'm kind of a nerd when I get diving into these articles. I could read the whole thing. But you can read it. We'll put the article up. But um, one other thing that was really uh Important in this time was prohibition starts happening where yeah. alcohol's banned. So, yeah. you know, people were looking for other things. Yeah. And also, you have a boom of soda fountains happening. Oh. And so, that, you know, and is touched on in the article as well. Pharmacies huh. and department stores raced to install larger and more ornate fountains, some boasting spouts with a hundred flavors where they can do all these different refreshments for you. Yeah. Um, By 1895, 50,000 soda fountains were in operation across the country and their products had become embedded in the social fabric of the nation. Wow. Soda water is an American drink is one of the quotes from this article. Anyway, it says the millionaire may drink champagne while the poor man drinks beer, but they both drink soda water. 
Yeah. So it's just kind of a fun thing to see more and more how this was, how this was birthed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how much more you want me to go on and on, but obviously a lot of the big soda was sodas were birthed here, but we have many smaller ones. Well, and I was going to say, you know, um, Coca-Cola has been under some heat right now and I haven't gotten really like specifics. So we're not actually talking a lot about Coca-Cola right now. We're going to talk about all those hyper local brands. And a lot of people think that they're better than, you know, like they get kind of attached to these and it's almost like, um, the way I think people love like craft beer or yeah, like yeah. boutique vineyards. Yeah. I just feel like sometimes smaller is better yeah. or it's just more fun to think of more of a mom and pop kind of um That's huge startup. For me. Yeah. I love to see a small business that you're supporting. You, know, yeah. you feel like you're um you know, an early adopter or something, <laughs> exactly. even if it's been around for decades, you're still supporting, you know, a family, family run business. So, um, but yeah, like you were saying, it's, it's not really just Atlanta or even Georgia that produce. It's really all Southern all over states are really well represented yeah. in Southern sodas. So, um, I wanted to start with one of my favorites, which okay. I've mentioned on here before, <laughs> which is Cheerwine. Yes. Um, Cheerwine's out of North Carolina, and um, I've even mentioned on here before that there's a Cheerwine Festival. So cute. That um, um, President Bush had even attended, and it was started in 1917 by L.D. Peeler when um, he was basically, like, th- there was rationing um you know, in that time period, and there was little to no sugar around. Okay. So, because of this, Cheerwine is lighter on the sugar, but it's really heavy on that wild cherry flavor. It's so... I like it. Yeah. So, it's... it's. I mean, it favors a cherry Coke, but it's mm-hmm. lighter on mm-hmm. sugar. So, um, traditionally, Cheerwine is pair, pairs well with barbecue, and... Um, That's yeah, interesting. It's out of North Carolina, so I wanted to make sure and mention it. Well, I will. I have a book here. We may want to put this up as well. It's called S is for Southern. Yes. And it's from the editors of Garden and Gun. They put this book together. And it, I love how they did the section on soda because yeah. they give history, distribution, tasting notes, and pairs best with. No way. So adorable. That's fantastic. But before I read about the cheer wine, I was going to mention that I tried the Cherry Ale 8 just to see what it was like. Yeah. Much prefer the cheer wine. Okay, it's just my okay. personal preference, but okay. I liked it. I, I like the cheer wine much better. Okay, um, its distribution goes from Florida to Maryland. This is cheer wine, right? Yes, yeah. sorry. Yeah, spottier as you move inland. Okay, if you're really jonesing, seek out your nearest Cracker Barrel from coast uh, to coast. Okay, so wherever you're listening, that's kind of fun to know. Okay. Um. I don't know how much you want me to go into. Do you want me to read history, tasting notes, pairs best with? Well, does it have pairs best with barbecue? That was what I had. Well, they did probably something funny. A fresh yeast donut from fellow North Carolina icon Krispy Kreme. Oh, okay. Because it's lighter on sugar, you can pair it with a donut. Isn't that a hoot? Oh my gosh. But the tasting note it says maraschino's cherry with a strong cola foundation and a hint of vanilla. 
Yeah. Less carbonation than typical sodas makes for easy drinking. That's probably why we like it too, because it's not quite so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love sugar. I've got quite the sweet tooth. Well, I mean, but the carbonation is not so You do notice it if you've had cherry Coke before. Like, it's noticeable that it's a little lighter. Well. Um, Well, cool. Yeah. So, was there anything else about That was the cheer wine one. Okay. Uh, the ALA that we're having now, we, yep. can, we can talk about it. It's from Winchester, Kentucky. Okay. The core territory is middle Kentucky and reaches into Illinois, southern Ohio, and Indiana, and eastern Tennessee. Okay. Though I found it in middle Tennessee. Yeah. So, um, the entrepreneur G.L. Wainscott tinkered with multiple flavored drinks before unveiling this ginger-centric recipe at the 1926 Clark County Fair. Ooh, a good state fair. (laughs) A slogan contest produced the name, a play on a late one, slang for being the latest thing. Ale-8. Oh, okay. Fourth-generation descendant Fielder Rogers still blends and protects the recipe today. And so it's tasting note, it says supremely crisp and quenching with a good balance of citrus and real ginger. Pairs best with, and I can tell what they're doing is going with something from its own from home the area. state. That's smart. So they're saying put an L8 with a steaming bowl of Kentucky Burgoo. Okay. <laughs> well, and I've heard it said that it's the second most popular bluegrass state beverage behind bourbon. <laughs> okay. That's what I had read. I've seen some, um, just some, you know southern recipes that substitute different things for ale eight so if i find any i'll try and post those as well like in baked okay. goods that it's a good substitution That's so a hoot. um like a pound cake is one of the ones that i saw okay. so I, I don't funny. know i mean i guess that would maybe give it a more lemon pound cake kind of taste that's really funny and then I, I as i was looking into some of these things occasionally found cocktails I did, was, too. Like, I found one recipe that looked really good, a cocktail made with ALA. With ALA? Okay. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah, there's all kinds of things you can do. We didn't make any cocktails today. <laughs> we just went straight with the bottled source. That's right. Stick with the basic. Well, um, I don't think I have any other Kentucky. I'm trying to look through my list. I know. My list is actually in alphabetical. Okay. So... Well, I've got Big Red, which comes from San Antonio, Texas. Yes. Uh, Distribution is southern and central Texas and reaches into southern and midwestern states. Now, I don't know if you even know this, Larbeth, but one time when I was coming... I, went, I made a trip to Kentucky, and Philip was like, hey, bring me some Big Red if you are anywhere that has it, because he really likes it. He loves so, Big Red. Um, so it's like a red cream soda? Yes. Kinda? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if actually, I've had it. It's actually pretty tasty. Now, I like cream soda, so yeah. if you do, you might like it. If you don't, you probably won't. But um, anyway, tasting notes for that one, syrupy sweet orange soda is what this says. Syrupy sweet orange. I think it's more like cream soda. Uh-huh. Spiked with sweeter red Jolly Ranchers and a big squirt of vanilla cream. That's the tasting notes they're giving for this. Okay. Um, Pairs best with barbecue brisket and hot links at Smitty's Market in Lockhart. Okay. So again, again, local. Yeah. Local thing. That's fun. Well, speaking of cream soda, there's also another cream soda out of Texas, which is called Dublin. Dublin. Dublin Vanilla Uh Cream Soda. I I have have not had it. I haven't either. 
um, creamy, effervescent, and dripping with vanilla oats. The first sip of Dublin's vanilla cream soda will transport you back to a time where soda jockeys were the norm. So kind of like the era you were talking about with um, the sort of era of those soda fountains. Created in Dublin, Texas in 1899, this cream soda has been a part of the Lone Star State for over 120 years. And I read the Texans prefer to drink this beverage straight out of the bottle or in an ice cream soda float. (gasps) Yum. You can, however, always use it in a cocktail. So, again, we've got cocktail options, it seems like, with a lot of these. Um, Which makes sense. I mean... Well, I looked up where that one was from because I hadn't seen that one. And I think it's West Texas. Okay. And I have a friend that's from East Texas. And I said, hey, next time you go home, if you can get some of this, bring me some. Yeah. You know, I would love to try it. So, we'll see if that comes around. But, um... Dublin's. Yeah. Uh, Did you see... I'm not sure how to pronounce this. Blinum ginger ale? I did see that on a South Carolina. On a South Carolina. About 100 markets in its Carolina stronghold and somewhat clandestine smattering of specialty shops in 21 other states. Okay. So, um, the tasting notes for that ginger ale. This says medium body and carbonation with a tingle of real ginger at the back of the throat. Want it even spicier? Look for the hot version with the pink cap. So if you're really a lover of ginger... The pink cap. Get the hot version, which our mom would probably love. She would love that. Well, you know, it's funny. On that one, you mentioned the pharmacists being involved Uh in a lot of the creation of these. Initially, this blindum ginger ale was prescribed by Dr. C.R. May to patients seeking a cure for stomach pains. Okay. And... It really was, um, that, I mean, that was kind of one of the ways it really grew in popularity. That is so, it's really interesting that there's so many of these that were birthed from pharmacists and doctors, Dr. Yeah. Pepper and yeah. there's another doctor one I'll mention here in a minute, but yeah. So I read that one's good in a Moscow mule. Ooh. And that sound good. Sure does. Blinums. I'd like to try that one. Um, well, here's one that I saw when we were down in our uh, southern neck of the woods at the Gilbreth's house. They oh, offered us a grape Grapeco. Is that how you say it? <laughs> okay. Um, it was originally a New Orleans, Louisiana drink, and then it later rebranded and sold okay. in Alabama. But So it's it's definitely associated, I think, more with Alabama. But Grapeco, you know, it's sweet, obviously, grape-flavored. Um, Super grapey. <laughs> This said grape flavor based and made with tastes like an entire bag of sugar. <laughs> That's the kind of drink my husband usually likes, so he, he loves grape ago. Um, again, like I said, it was originated in New Orleans in 1916. So I think so far I'm just seeing a really large span of 1800s into 1950s. This is a long span of uh-huh. um, time that we've been coming up with this stuff, but... Grapeco is used in almost anything from baking to cocktails. Well, you're going to love what this book recommends pairing it with. And if Rachel or Jason Gilbert are listening, I hope that this makes you laugh. Pairs best with hauling in a 10-pound largemouth bass on the Coosa River on a muggy summer day. <laughs> so we, they, they live on that uh, Coosa River, and it's awesome place to... It's beautiful. It's beautiful, but... 
that Coosa Queen party boat makes its way mm-hmm. up and down the river. and They've probably got a few Grapicos mixed with some cocktails I'd on that one. So. That's so fun. Well, we can't go on too long without mentioning RC Cola. Yes. Royal Crown. And that's a Georgia, Columbus, Georgia soda. We shared a couple of weeks ago that there was an RC Cola and Moonshine. Moon, moon Pie. Or excuse me. Yeah. Moonshine. <laughs> That'd that be quite be, a festival. That would be a festival for moon sure. Moon Pie Festival here in Tennessee, in Bellbuckle, Tennessee. Um, but RC Cola is a Georgia, um, Georgia-based soda. It's also from a pharmacist. So funny, isn't it's it? crazy. This pharmacist, um, Hatcher was the name, decided to supply his family's grocery store with drinks that he produced and bottled. Hatcher called his first line of beverages Royal Crown and the first cola product, Chero Cola. Okay. Um, But so they've got all kinds of low-calorie options as well. I mean, you see Diet Right, RC100, Diet (laughs) Cherry, RC. I mean, there's... Again, maybe they're just pining for shelf space. I don't know, but um, RC Cola is certainly a staple here in the South as well. It certainly is. And then there's another doctor brand here, Dr. Enough, E-N-U-F. Are you serious? It's his name. Dr. Enough. Okay. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Uh, home, Johnson City, Tennessee. Tri-Cities. About a 100-mile radius of Johnson City is the distribution. So we're talking pretty small Okay. Here. And I did ask Tammy to bring some next time she goes home. Um, it was 1949. Chicago chemist Bill Swartz developed the formula for a B-vitamin-packed soft drink and struck a deal with East Tennessee's Tri-City Beverage to bottle it. Among the bottler's innovative promo ideas, affixing Dr. Enough is here. Bumper stickers on physicians' cars at the local hospital. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that so funny? Um, tasting notes. Light-bodied, bubbly tonic and just enough, get it, lemon-lime flavor <laughs> to be refreshing. Less detectable is the 220% of the recommended daily allowance of vitamin B1. Good for curbing beriberi, nerve inflammation, motion sickness, and apparently just about every other ailment. Okay. And, of course, their funny pairs best with a three-day NASCAR tailgate blowout at Bristol Motor Speedway. That's (laughs) hilarious. Yes, because that would be very close by Johnson City. That's right. So there's Dr. Enough. Dr. Enough. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. E-N-U-F. I'm sure. What else would it be, right? I feel like even if I've tried a lot of these, or even if I haven't tried them, I've at least heard of them. Well, except for that blind one. Or but you had not heard of this. I've definitely never heard of Dr. Enough. Had you? <laughs> no. <laughs> but when I reached out to my friend from Kingsport, she was like, oh, absolutely. I can bring you some next time I go home. I keep so. on hearing, when, every time you're saying it, I'm hearing Dr. Feelgood, Motley Crue <laughs> they song. They totally do <laughs> an ad, and it may blow up distribution going way further. What else does your list include? (laughs) Um, The only other one from this book, I've got a couple others, um, but Red Rock Cola out of Atlanta. I've never heard of this. this. Mm -mm. The distribution is just Georgia. Well, it says reaches into some bordering states. Okay. Uh, Despite being introduced in 1935 in the long shadow of that other Atlanta soft drink. Uh (laughs) 
It quickly became popular enough to be bottled in, this says in 47 states? Hmm. An endorsement by Babe Ruth didn't hurt. So oh. that's what happened. Okay. Wow. But high sugar prices and an outmoded distribution network pushed it back into its home turf where a loyal local following has been revived. So the tasting notes is a cola for grown-ups, less fizz and cloying sweetness than your average omnipresent brand. <laughs> I like how they won't give the name they at this won't. point. Yeah. Which lets a hint of caramel through. Ooh, I might like that one. So that's Red Rock Cola. Okay. If you want to give that a shot out of uh, try at some point. And the only other ones, and I'm not going to give history and all, but Barks Root Beer, which is a great Oh my beer. gosh, I didn't even think about them. Biloxi, Mississippi in 1898. And then Double Cola. Do you remember ever? I've seen Double Cola. It's out no. of Chattanooga, okay. 1933. So that's the only other ones I had mentioned here. But that's a lot of the big... That's a lot of colas. That's a lot of sodas, sodas I mean. isn't it? Yeah. So, um, and then if you ever get the opportunity to go, if you're in Atlanta, there is the world of Coca-Cola. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a massive tour. Um, it's a tour, but you also can try various ones because their distribution is so global. Right. That there's even ones that we may not have on the shelf here that are popular in China or popular in Never thought about you know that. Japan yeah. or whatever. So yeah. they have so many different ones you can try. So if you're in that area, um, that's in downtown Atlanta near the Georgia Aquarium. Tickets are between thirteen and seventeen dollars, depending okay. on age and yeah, all. And it's the hours are like nine or ten in the morning till five. So yeah. if you're ever in town and wanna. And it gives you a great history of their brand. Yeah. So. So which of these, do you have any favorites? I the have ones to say, I'm have? not a huge soda drinker. Okay. You probably know that. Like, just, I'm more sweet tea or lemonade yeah. if I'm wanting sweet. But I do like that cheer wine. Yeah. I really it's like good. that. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's a good one. And I like Big Red. I've had, okay. I it's not something I would want to drink very often. I might have had Big Red. I almost feel like, would they have maybe had that at like KFC or so? I feel like it was like a chicken, fast food chicken place. Well, I'm sure KFC being owned by Yum, it's going to be whatever Pepsi puts out. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe you just know. had I it. I feel like I've had it at a chicken a- spot <laughs> and like a chain, not like yeah. a... Hole in the wall chicken joint. I, don't I do want to get my hands on that Dublin cream soda though, out of Texas. That sounds really Texas. good. Have to you me. looked for it here? Well, just at one store. Okay, I haven't like seriously. Oh, and then I looked on Amazon just to say you can get pretty much any of these on Amazon. The problem is you're buying a lot, a, several, and so I didn't want to invest. You or know, you're paying twenty five dollars, and, and not even know if I'm going to like it. Yeah. So. That's why I just thought, what can I find, you know, in my grocery? Right. Sure. Publix oftentimes has some regional brands that are harder to find, so okay. I might try Publix. But yeah, I would, I would like cheer wine. But I'm very interested in some of the ones we've mentioned here. It's definitely travel season, so that's one of the reasons we wanted to talk about yeah. this in summer because a lot of people are taking trips different places. So definitely, if you're on your way through a southern town that's often when i want one yeah you know like i don't do it real often but if i want like some kind of cream soda or something yes it just feels right and then our mom 
we had a little tradition we did with uh, road trips, and that yeah. was you put your peanuts, peanuts. in your coat. Yeah. And right. just open the package, put them right down in there. They're not usually all going to fit at once, so mm-hmm. you kind of got to do about half the package. Why is that so fun? But it is. I don't know. I, I, right when we're talking about it, though, I can almost feel like the gas settle in my chest. Your chest. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess because it's sweet and salty, which is such a glorious combination. Yeah. I guess that's what made it so fun. Well, but. it also makes it for hands-free snacking and that's drinking true. for especially the driver. Taking a sip and you get a little crunch. You're just in there. snacking and drinking at the same time, so, so it's multitasking that's for the driver. That's not spilling peanuts everywhere. But yeah, try one of these uh, local ones as you're on your road trip. Yes. And, you know, I was just remembering too. I hadn't even thought about this till this very moment. There used to be a store called the Pop Shop. Okay. And it was here Where? in Nashville. Okay. And it was probably I'm trying to think like. 80s in the 1980s, I think. Okay. Later 80s. But it was like you went in, and I can't remember exactly how it all worked, but it was like you got 12 sodas in this plastic container. Okay. And paid a price, or maybe you could get 24 or whatever. And you would bring that thing back. It was like the carrier for the different ones. And you just picked whatever ones you wanted. Single. Single bottles. Singles, yeah. So now I see that sometimes with craft beers and different things in the grocery store. Because it's just fun to see if you even like it. Exactly. Before committing to. Yeah. Usually if it's um, like a specialty beer, you're committing to a 12-pack, too. Yeah, that's right. So. So it was just a fun way to get like some weird raspberry thing or some, you know, that's cream soda so that you what might not try. Pop the Pop Shop. Pop Shop. And I, that literally just came to me because I hadn't thought of it in so long. I might have to try and dig up an old photo and put it on our shop. Instagram. That article that. that I mentioned had some old photos and even advertisements for things. It was That's a really cool. interesting article. But, um, you know, just even in thinking back to the soda fountain, our dad worked at a soda fountain. Yep. I think mom may have at one point, too. But... Um, that was such a place of community. Yes, too. it was. You know, there wasn't coffee shops. It was a soda fountain. So yeah. you would go in and sit and have a ice cream float yeah. or something like that. And there's even two. You're cooling down and having, yeah. you know, visits with people. So there's two movies that I think of. I was, I don't even watch that many movies. And I feel like I've dropped Lots of memories around here. movies. But they ingrain in you something that, you know, you've gotten visual sort of modeling, I guess, if you will. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Major, the climax of the movie happens there in the soda shop where he, you know, buys that chocolate bar. And then um, even more precious is um, It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, man. And the soda fountain that is part of the pharmacist. Yep. And so he's working. He works for. And the two girls... That are sitting at the counter. Yeah. Well, one sitting there, one comes in flirting. So it's interesting, too, to think about those types of scenes because I believe it was true. Children were, like, going into Mm -hmm. soda fountains Mm -hmm. and frequenting there as well as adults. adults. So when you're saying community, I mean, we're not even talking just adults. Yeah. Hanging out. Well, and it could be, you know, that... That child would, had been maybe at work with their parent 
on Main Street somewhere else, and True. they just they just you know, ran down ran there. down there to get mm-hmm. something to drink and that yeah, kind of thing. That was but their special treat. Wow. Dad, and our dad shared a really interesting story. We may have to share at some point about his working in a soda fountain yeah. at one point. Yes. Yeah. Pretty poignant moment. So I don't know that we need to talk about it. Should I mention it now that I've already opened up the can of worms? Sure. We? Well, so I don't have the time frame, but our dad was born in 44. 44. So he was probably, uh, we're talking in the mid to late 50s because yeah. he was a teenager. Yeah. Working. And, um, there was still a good bit of segregation. And so at the counter where you could sit and order food, it was white only, is mm-hmm. what he said. And then the, I'm using uh, rabbit ears here, colored population would have to get food to go. Right. Well, this was the time when they were starting to be, I think they called them sit-ins. Yes. So peaceful sit-ins where they would come and sit down and expect to be served. Right. And so as a posture of we're supposed to be allowed to come into your places now. That's right. So this is our action. This is us trying to start that process. And we're, you know, doing this peacefully, but this is still a new thing. Yeah. And so here's our teenage dad and, you know, not a rule. I mean, he's um, not a manager or anything. Right. And a group comes in, and he said they started at the to-go, kind of lingering there, and then one of them sat down. Yeah. And so, you know, our dad was thinking, okay, he's expecting to be served, and I should serve him, but I just want to make sure it's okay. So he goes to his boss, and and thankfully, his boss said, of course, serve them. Yeah. But it was a new thing. It was. And so I enjoyed hearing Dad share that story. Yeah. Because... um, just, I can't, you know, I still can't wrap my mind around all of that happening, but that's in his lifetime. Yeah. And um, that was his first real run in yeah. with how do I handle this situation? Yeah. And it's kind of in my court now. Yeah. Even though I'm just a teenager, it's in my court to make a decision on. And it's what interesting I'm when do. you're in a. Your, one of your first, my first job was at Kroger and there was things that you would have in interacting with the public that I just didn't know exactly what I was supposed to do or, sure. you know, you kind of have, that's why that's a great p- first place to work. Cause yeah. you know, you've got good managers in place and things like that, but I can just imagine it from dad's perspective, what that might've been like. Yeah. That'd be intimidating yeah. for sure. Yeah. Well, so good old soda life fountains. in the soda fountain. Well, that is a good dose of some Southern culture, I'd say, I'd for this say so. episode. Hope you guys have enjoyed listening along. Maybe you heard um, a beverage or two from your childhood, or one that you've at least tasted now on. Now you want a road trip? Experiment yeah. with. Now you're craving something <laughs> you haven't had in 15 years. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. And thanks again for um, subscribing and listening along. And we will catch you guys here next time. 